morning. We, um, we're following a series. I, I would imagine, thanks Ryan, I would imagine that uh, you're also doing the Kingdom series here, right? And uh, my, my portion of that through the churches has been on the area of uh, Kingdom giving. And so I've, the other brothers have suggested that I try and stay on topic because I'm not real good at that. And uh, so we're going to give it our best shot. But um, I have a little title up there. That's the title of my message. The world of the generous keeps getting larger and larger. And also the truth is that the world of the stingy keeps getting smaller and smaller. And so that's where the focus comes. But uh, I want to try and enlarge this morning your culture in giving and try and cover two bases of giving. One is your responsibility to the local church. And the other is your responsibility personally to other individuals who live in this world with us uh, that can be blessed by the presence of God in your life. And uh, so I think in developing that culture, we're ever learning how we can adjust to that in our lives. And uh, just recently, Vi and I, uh, my job requires um, some travel, uh, fairly regular, and so we're uh, in hotels occasionally. Uh, almost more than occasionally lately, but um, I open, I like to try and see what people are looking at in the Bibles in, in the hotels, the thanks be to the Gideons for placing Bibles in every single hotel that you ever come across, uh, but you can always tell whether when you break the Bible open, does it crackle and, and the pages stick together and you say, boy, there's not many people in this hotel been looking at this word of God, and then others, they fall, fall open real nicely uh, to the word or a special word. And recently, I'd say maybe a month ago or so, Vi and I were in a hotel, and my favorite chapter in the Bible is Isaiah 53. And so I generally start there in Isaiah 53, and I opened it up, and here was a note in there and a $1 bill. And so the $1 bill catches your attention, and you say, what's this all about? You know. So there was a note in there from someone not le- who didn't leave his name or anything, but said, uh, this is the day that you can receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And this is the way of salvation. And I'm leaving you this dollar. I thought, this is, it was a learning experience for me. It was just great. So now every hotel I've been in, in Isaiah 53, I write a little note to the way of salvation, and I put a dollar in there, not putting my name on or my email or anything, but just allow the Lord to use it the way he likes to use it. And so when I talk about the world of the generous keeps getting larger and larger, um, I've been doing this now, uh, being saved since I was 27 years old. Um, it's been many, many years, and I'm still learning, praise God, uh, new ways to be more generous and new ways to hopefully affect more people so that the kingdom of God can advance. And um, so I'd like to look at those subjects a bit today, developing this culture. Um, and I just think that um, something in the message should cause us to draw closer to God. I know that when I've been now in church for all these many decades, I hear various different pastors, and I try and come up with one thing that the pastor said. Uh, I know some people are really, really good at taking notes, and they have... We have uh, Sharon McFeely in our church who often sits by us, and I would say that she writes four pages of notes 
on every single sermon. And she's got to have a ledger of notes at home uh, as, as high as you can imagine. But she also studies them and reviews them constantly and is a servant of the Lord. But I never seen anybody who could take more notes on one subject than Sharon. So anyway, what I try and do is I try and find one thing, say, what, what can I pick from that message that will draw me closer to God? And then what I try to do is um, maybe send an email. In our case, I'm at Living Word 90% of the time. And so I send a little email back to Dave or who's ever speaking there and say, I caught this passage, and I believe that your message on this particular subject, this one thing, uh, is helping me to grow. Now, I think that that not only encourages him, but it also instills it deeply within my spirit. And when I think of my generosity growing larger or my stinginess growing smaller, I think to myself, I want it to grow larger every day. I want God to look at me and say, hey, it's one of my generous servants who I can use to help whoever has a need. And I think that takes form in various different ways. But certainly, kingdom living, we see a lot of explanation in the Word of God about how we deal with the orphans, how we deal with the poor, how we deal with those various different aspects. And it's funny that God always deals with the lowly of this earth, which seem to be the most important to God. And uh, so it's real encouraging to me to keep my spirit in tune with what's important to God. And so uh, all through Scripture... We find the lives of the patriarchs, including Christ, building the kingdom through serving. I think the greatest, when I look at any corporate structure, family structure, or church structure, it's whoever is the greatest servant in the house of the Lord, he or she is going to become an example to the rest of the company to be the person to follow. Because it always relates to service. The opposite of that, of course, is... um, is what we hear from the world. The world is pounding us day in and day out to be concerned only about me. You can turn on TV, and right now there's the whole baby boomer thing that's coming into uh, retirement, whatever that's supposed to mean. But I'm sort of at the top end of the baby boomers, and and I guess there's about, what, a 15-year period? And those people are all going to be supposedly retiring. And there was a big article in, in USA Today the other day that said, Um, 67% of the baby boomers uh, cannot retire because they've not put enough money away. And fear, fear, fear grips everybody who reads it because they say, wow, I'm getting older and all at once I'm in a position where I'm not going to be able to feed my family or live the way I normally have lived. And we start living in this sphere of fear instead of the sphere of faith in God. And uh, I just believe that in the presence of God, if we obey the scripture, if we take this seriously, that um, others are being blessed because I work hard and I try and not only make a living for my family, but I try and see how much extra that I can come up with to benefit others. Uh, If we take that position in our lives, it's totally opposite of the position in the world. Because the world says it should all go to me and it should all be set aside in these various different compartments. And I'm not saying anything wrong with, I think you should plan for the future. I certainly believe that. But by the same token, you can live a life of fear. And then all of, the, all of a sudden, at the end of your life, the news media bringing you these constant messages that you're really not going to have enough. 
because people are living longer and longer and longer. You just may live to be 90, and you only have funds for 70. And so the fear grips you, and you're planning for 90, and you might be privileged to be go home to be with the Lord at 71. Who knows? And you might not even need it anyway. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I want to be one of those who is beginning a journey of faith and walking through it for many, many decades and living my life not only for my family, but also for the family of God and also for the family of those who are unsaved. Hopefully, we can have an effect on those who are unsaved. And um, I have really four points to, to share with you this morning. And my scripture reference is in Romans 12, uh, 1 through 8, living as sacrifices. So if you want to just hear that for a moment, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and be able to, uh, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect will is. And then, of course, in the following, in the following passage, it talks about uh, being generous and let Him give generously who is generous. And those are passages that are really for all of us. And we have to understand where our anointing lies in that. But to begin the journey, uh, the floor, I believe, should always be that uh, our local church deserves 10% of our income. And uh, I can only testify to that, that that's been true in my life. And I think that that's what it takes to allow the church to prosper. The most precious thing to the Lord is his local church. And so I believe that in giving the 10% of our, and then people argue and say, well, is this, I've had people, I don't know how many people over the years say, Chuck, is that the, does that mean the gross or does that mean the net? And I have the privilege of saying to them, you know what, you don't get it yet. Because uh, if you're wondering how little it can be, then take the net, and I'm happy with that. But the fact of the matter is, once you begin the journey, it's not only going to be the net, it's going to be the gross, and you'll find that out through serving God. And, uh, but I believe that that, I believe that that's the floor, and then I, I can only say that uh, in addition to that, uh, there's a more personal level also, and that's daring to step out beyond the floor, and this requires an additional step or planning as the Holy Spirit moves you towards the situation. Personal giving is God ministering to someone through you. And uh, we can talk about that over and over again, but God's desire is to use you as a pleasing servant to him to minister to others. Like you can say, well, uh, couldn't God just uh, rain down manna from heaven for someone in need, or couldn't uh, he just drop dollar bills or pounds or Canadian loonies or to whatever culture you're in, yins if you're in Asia, and sure he could, but his whole plan is to use us. He used us as instruments for those who have needs. And so I don't care how poor you are. We read in the scripture, and we talked about a woman today earlier who poured out this perfume, precious perfume, uh, and she was criticized for it. I don't care how poor you are, if you or how how unimportant a nickel may be to see to it that your kids can can somehow uh, have a nickel to give 
to either the local church, but more important to someone else in school or where they live or in their neighborhood. So that they begin to develop this culture of generosity and giving. And uh, through that personal ministry of God allowing God to use you uh, for to bless others and meet the needs of others is so vitally important. And so um, as you consider the poor, the widow, the orphan, you have to determine where your anointing really lies. I went through a really difficult period in business in the mid-90s. And uh, where did I really go for uh, encouragement and help uh, was my local church. They brought words of encouragement to me. They brought prophetic word into my life that caused my faith to leap to the situation uh, that was developing. And uh, I also went to one of the poorest families I knew in the heart of Gary, uh, John Taylor and his wife, uh, who were part of Vic Davis's church at that time because I just felt God leading me there to find refuge. And I remember going to John and I parked my car and there was a whole bunch of... Um, people outside there that uh, hanging around in the street. It looked sort of uh, like a tough place, but it's where God wanted me to go. And I walked into John's house, and it was like a refuge. It was like God using the poor, who I believed in all my life. It was like God using the poor to bring comfort to me, to bring peace to me, to bring a point of faith, to increase my faith towards what God was saying. I didn't I didn't find a need to go to the wealthy or to try and work out a scheme to get ourselves out of this mess or this development. But I went to the poor so that the poor could feed me. Um, and they, they, they were a, a marvelous family who, who were poor, but rich, rich in the things of God, rich in the gospel. And he and his wife ministered to me, and John said to me something very interesting. He said, Chuck, this house is always open to you. And he said, if you're ever chased by anybody, he said, you come here. He says, because nobody will come to this neighborhood. <laughs> and it was, it was just like, it was like God whispering to me, Chuck, I will always find a place for you. I will always, no matter how deep and how deep the trials and tribulations may be, I will find a place for you to find peace and a place for you to find comfort. And I will find a church for you with people who care. I've been at, that's why I've been at Living Word for all these years, is because those people care for me like no other people I know on earth, other than my immediate family. And the truth of the matter is, is not only do you, can you minister to the poor, but you can find strength from that poor. And I never, now John has passed away now, his wife is still living. But um, the fact of the matter is, he was a gift to me from God. Um, and he, he was a very, very wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, he was participated in my father's funeral. And uh, he was just, uh, I, I can't say enough for him, except the poor was now feeding me in those difficult times. Um, and the same thing with the widow and the orphan. Do you consider widows? Do you consider the orphans of this world? An orphan sometimes is not necessarily someone <clears throat> who um, is orphaned by their parents, but someone who just may be alone. 
someone who is orphaned by the world? Do we consider that as someone? Do we have time to think about that? As Julie was sharing about concentrating on the things of the Lord when we were worshiping, we were thinking, how do we take time to think of the realistic things that are important to God? Do we think of the person who's alone? Do we spend our time and our energy with that person? Uh, those are all ways. Sometimes we think of, of money in the kingdom as just money, but it's not money. It's not only money. It's our time. It's our energy. It's our thoughts. It's everything that I can make myself so busy that I don't think of anything except me or our business or whatever it may be. I, we've had a large family. I can think only of my own family. We have seven kids, 19 grandchildren, so I can think only of that. That'll take all of our time, believe me. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's not the issue. The issue is I'm serving a living God, a wonderful God who has given me birth and given me life eternal and has called me to his purposes to be a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you to look for those ways, find out where your anointing is in giving. And I want to just leave a little caveat with you because I think it's very important. <clears throat> Sometimes when we develop a generous spirit, we get sort of bombarded from all different directions. And everyone who has a passion to do something comes to you and you say, you say back to God and to yourself, well, that's for some reason or other, that's really not my passion. I know what God has called me to. God has called me to, um, uh, in my giving, in addition to the church, God has called me to a more personal need on a one-time basis as a need exists in other people's lives. I want to be the go-to person. But I'm not really the person who feels that someone wants to go to, um, not that I don't do it, but um, all kinds of people have different passions and giftings, and they want to uh, go and be, want you to, how can I say this without criticizing anybody? Um, they want you to develop a passion for their passion. And that might not be what your passion is. That might not be your calling. And for others, it is. Some of you are called to support just parachurch organizations, you might say. And I think I think they're wonderful because they lead a lot of people to Christ. But you have to make sure that your giving doesn't rob you from the personal calling that maybe God gave you to that that is somewhat different than that. Does, does that make sense? Where Because otherwise, the, otherwise you'll constantly be having these invites from other people, support me, support me, support me, support me, support me. And I think that your spirit, I support various different people, but my spirit is in line with what they're doing, and I have faith in that person, and I know that person well, and I know that what they're carrying is a life of Christ into that given situation. And so I think it's important that you analyze that, otherwise you're going to weary yourself in giving. You're going to weary yourself in the mail that you get, because I would say that um, um, in, either in our business or personally, my mailbox is filled with those challenges every day. And I can, I can find all kinds of guilt in the fact that I just, by the time I go through half of them, I'm out of money and I can't, I can't take care of the rest. God doesn't want us to live that way. God wants to, us to live in the joy of generosity. So you have to find where your anointing really is and how your, your, your passion is developed along with, along with what God has given you. 
and uh, not be overtaken by everyone else's uh, passion. And overcoming what appears to be failure, uh, by doing this, by giving regularly to the needs of others, I've had people say to me, well, you can't just, you can't just keep doing it, you can't do that to that person, because they'll be back and they'll be back to you every week. But it doesn't really happen that way. If you're giving out of a heart and you know God has called you to do that, um, God will never overburden you. If, you. if you're right in your own heart about it, but then if you listen to um, Susie Orman on TV, and do any, anybody ever know of Susie Orman? Did you ever hear of her? She, okay. she, she talks only about me. That every, everything, it's, I have to be in totally control of my own finance, totally control of my own destiny, totally. If my kids need help, <coughs> that's their problem. Uh, that's not part of my problem. Or if others need help, that's part of their problem. They're not working hard enough or they're not doing this or they're not doing that. Listen, develop a generous spirit and let God lead your faith. And don't be overtaken by those things that are accusing you, that tell you you'll be broke in no time if you keep giving the way you're giving. Uh, My senior accountant goes to this church, and he's taking care of the kids right now, but he thinks that if I ever have to quit working, I could only last about four months. And um, so you can ask Frank about that and get a little more detail if you want. But the truth of the matter is is that um, I'm not promoting the fact that we should not save or, or be prepared for end-of-life situations. But what I am promoting is I want to live by faith. I want to move as God directs me to move. And I've known God long enough to know that when I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit to meet a need, I'm going to meet it. And uh, I had, uh, in the same difficult period, I was called one time to a meeting with this group of lawyers, three or four lawyers, and I was to be at the meeting at, let's say, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I was going to their office, and I was at a red light, and this derelict man walked in front of me. And um, just like that, walking fairly, and then he went into the Burger King, and the Lord, I just felt so clearly, the Lord said to me, you go in and have lunch with that man. And I said, these guys are all waiting for me, Lord. What are, yeah, how much an hour, what that I can't even afford to pay now, what am I going to do? The Lord said, just go in there. I pulled around the back of McDonald's and, you know, Burger King. And I walked in and I got in back of this man. I said, what would you care to eat? I said, maybe we'll have, he said, oh, cheeseburger, coffee. I said, me too, cheeseburger, coffee. We sat down and we had a long talk about the Lord. I was overcome. I wasn't trying to jip or spit in the face of the lawyers. That's the last thing I wanted to do. But I got in my car 45 minutes later, and I drove over there, and I walked in off. So where were you, Chuck? Where, what, what, where, where, where you? I said, let me tell you a quick story. And you know what? We prayed together. We prayed together, all four of us. And, we, and they, the Lord used that moment to honor me through this group of lawyers. And then one shared with me about three weeks later, he said, Chuck, I want to know more about what moves you to do that. Because he said, I could tell that you weren't just doing it in spite of us. There was, some, there was a real motivation in your heart to sit with that man. Don't, don't, don't overlook ever what God can do. Don't, don't, don't think for one moment 
And we always must consider everyone else's time. But don't overlook the things that God can actually do, the miraculous, powerful hand of God. At the same time, we have a gentleman that comes to our church, very poor, and after the service, every week, he needs some money from me. And, and also Dave's dad, Bill Prince, he and I, Bill Prince and I work together with a lot of those things. And I said, Bill, there's something we need to help him with this thing because uh, not that you and I won't have enough to meet his need, but there's something, he's not developed a culture of giving in his own life. So just last week we shared with him, we said, okay, if we give you $20, we would like you to take $2 of the 20 10%, and give it to someone else within the church and just see how they could be blessed by it. And he stood there just sort of, I said, do you, do you, do you understand that, what, what we're doing and where we're going? He said, no. And I mean, he's been in the church for a couple of years. And I thought, here's someone who, was, who grew up with a mom and dad, or maybe just a mom, maybe just a dad, maybe he was orphaned. I don't know, because I don't know his history. And in a very poor neighborhood, and no one ever taught him to give. It was always getting. No one ever taught him to give. And I said, okay, then beginning today, whether you get it or not, I want you to get it. I want you to develop a culture. This is how we're going to proceed, and then you can report to me next week. Well, I'm not there this week, so he's probably saying, Whew, Chuck's not here. <laughs> But no, no, he'll, he'll, he, he's, he, he, will, he, will, he, will, he will obey what I'm saying. And after he begins to practice it, he'll begin to get it. Because I think that his financial need will begin to end. Because you can't, you, you, there's, there's this thing about, I had an, old, an older preacher tell me one time, he said, Chuck, beware of people who only sell. He said, he said, ministry is buying and selling. He said, if, there, if, if you run into someone who's another Christian or not, and they're always selling. They're never interested in what you're doing. They're never interested in whether anyone's coming to know the Lord in your church. They're never interested in your church. It's always about them. <clears throat> Just love me, he said, but keep your distance. He said, because they're always selling. And I was at a, at a, a gas station one day not long ago, and a fella goes to a great church. I know the church that he goes to. And, oh, hi, Chuck, I haven't seen you for a long time. Oh, hi, oh, so we went back and forth. He said, he started preaching to me about his church. And he knows where I go to church. He knows my involvement over the years. And he, it was all about, all about his church, his church here. Not one question about how are we doing as a church, uh, what's happening, about the plantings, about anything, about what I'm seeing in my life relating to the things of God. But I drove away and I said, Lord, thank you for his encouragement. But you know what? He's a seller. He's not buying He's not really interested in what's going on in other parts of other parts of the world. We live in the greatest country in the world, and I have an interest in what's going on down the street if they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, and if if I'm not, then I'm only interested in me. And so I think it's very very important to be part of a local church, but also be very very important to understand that uh, part of giving, part of kingdom living is the interest in everywhere where the gospel is preached. And so uh, be a little bit, I'm just giving you some little signs, be aware of that and be able to recognize things. And as the Spirit of God uh, moves on those living the life of the kingdom, 
God always draws closer and closer, removing fear. Fear is the thing that will just captivate most every person here. And if you're, if you're captivated by fear, it's because there's a lack of trusting God for his miraculous power in your life. And once you begin to understand uh, how the Holy Spirit works, how the miraculous power of God begins to work, uh, it will overtake that fear. And when you begin to live in the peace of God, free from fear, you'll have a fantastic understanding of how you're drawing closer and closer and closer to God. Um, John, I want to tell you something right now. There was a, you brought the word of the Lord in your early days and preached the word of the Lord. And there's something inside you that is boiling over, John. And you need to take that extra step. I don't know how it's going to develop, but I'll tell you, the minute I walked in here and I seen you, I knew what was there, what's down deep in your heart, what needs to be exposed to the people of God. Just the word of the Lord. Lindsay, it's good to see you too. (laughs) Anyway, I know you received that, John, because I know you well enough, but um, I really, I really deeply believe it. Um, and then there's the whole TV bonanza where uh, you give to get kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I don't have to tell you people much about that, but uh, the only way you get anything is give, is give to get. Uh, we, don't, we don't get to give. We just give to get. I'm, I'm going to just tell you that I believe in my own heart. That's an error. Uh, I'm not criticizing people that that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but uh, came to a climax the other night when I'm a channel flipper, and I don't really watch that TV, but from about 9 to 10, I flip through 80 channels, I guess, which makes my wife so rare. And this guy said, well, you you, you don't, and, and, and actually had the boldness to say, don't give to your local church, and I'll use my name. He said, give to Chuck Pals ministry, which was his name. Not don't please don't give anything to me right now. But uh but that but that 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 was his message. And I said I said that's heresy. It's 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 totally it's it robs the local church. It it does not it does not do anything for the advance of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And you're you're just bombarded by those things continually and you don't even know that man. You don't know and your people are giving to them and they they've never They've never given him a hug. They've never touched him. They've never been encouraged by him. They've never embraced him in God. It's 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 something that is, and and that's just what our society has become, our Christian society, largely here in the U.S. And I just want to say to you that uh, please go back to the Bible and understand what it is that God wants from you in the area of kingdom living and kingdom giving. And uh, I'm sure that. The day will come where um, you can develop a culture of generosity, and it, it's really even preaching to a church like this. I mean, you started what last August, <clears throat> and you came up with out of your own out of your own fellowship this money to get this place and get started. I mean, you're probably more generous than than any people that I know, and so it's 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 hard to even preach this message to you. But the only thing that causes me to do it. Is that title there 
that uh, the, the world of the generous keeps getting larger and larger. And actually, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller because as people age, you uh, have a tendency to get stingier and stingier because uh, of this threat in the United States that we're not going to make it if we don't have enough money. And what is enough money? You could have, uh, you could have a disaster in your, you could be worth uh, $5 million and you could have a disaster in your family and that could be gone in three months. You know what I mean? It, uh, through serious cancers or accidents or whatever. You need faith in God that runs ahead of those kind of things. And as God's marching on, the old battle hymn of the Republic, and God is marching on, that's the way you need to be. You need to be a man and a woman of faith that believes that God will supply your, your riches from his riches in glory. And he will give you wisdom in certain areas. I'm poorly educated. I barely got out of high school. And I can just say that while there have been difficulties and trials along the way, uh, God has, God has, has blessed us tremendously as a family. People, um, I, Vi had an old cousin that came to our house one time when we had four kids. And he said to me, I'd like to talk to you privately. I said, okay. He said, you know what? He was never married, a professor at a college. He said, you know what? Four kids is enough. And um, you can do something about that nowadays. Oh, and he talked about what you can do about it. And I said, well, thank you very much. But I said, I think I'll make those decisions myself between Vi and I. And we went on to have three more kids. So needless to say, I didn't take his advice. Um, but on the other hand, the world will bombard you, and Satan will always have a way of bringing accusation against you, even if you're doing the right thing to cause doubt and to cause fear. And I'm just saying to you today, and I'm saying to this church, that we need to be kingdom people. The stingy grow smaller and smaller, and I want to be a person who is generous and keeps growing larger and larger so I can see more and more and more of the presence of God. Amen? And no matter how broke you are, you can have fun starting the very littlest. Because we have a business, I oftentimes have people come to me and they say, you know what, I want to really start a business and I want some advice from you. And um, <clears throat> I, I'm just wondering because I say, well, why do you want to start a business? What's your motivation? And they say, well, I'm a Christian and I want to, uh, I want to be able to give a lot of money to the Lord. And I say, okay. Um, let's just run the reel back. What are you doing now? Oh, I work for this so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, well, what? It's not really my business, but what do you give now to the Lord? Well, no, I want to be able to give, you know, I want a business so I can give a lot of money. No, no, what are you giving now? And often it's a dead-end street. Say, you know what? Business is not going to solve it. If you're not giving now, you're not going to give when when you have a business either. You can make millions and you still won't give but what are you doing now, today? And the person that says to me, you know what? The first thing I do when I get my paycheck, I pray over it, and I thank God for it. And, oh, you mean you don't criticize where you work? No, 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 because my paycheck comes from the Lord. And I pray over it, and I thank God, and I set this money aside because my priority 
are the things of God. And I had a fellow one time, a banker, who loved the Lord very much. He said to me, Chuck, he said, here's $100. He said, I always want you to keep this $100 in your wallet. You spend this one on the first need you come across. Yeah, I want you to put another $100 in there. He said, and I want you to put another $100 in there and another $100 in there. And at the end of his life, one time he just passed away recently, we seen him at a restaurant and the waitress said to us, um, your bill is paid, Mr. Pals. And I said, well, who's that? And she said, well, so-and-so over there. And he came up to me, he said, that's for all the times you gave that $100 away. He said, and for all the people you talked to about the Lord. He's a wonderful Christian man. The world of the generous keeps getting larger and larger. And even at the time of his death, he was still concentrating on those kinds of things. So I have a little experiment today. Here's what I wanted to do. I saved up for this experiment. I would like five people to come up front, and I'll tell you what the experiment is. Now, you have to be, in order to participate, you almost have to be an adult in this experiment. So I need five people who are willing, because it's going to involve action, it's going to involve testimony, it's going to be involve emailing me back as a result, and we'll have to see what happens. Boy, slow response. That must have been scary. Good for Joe. There we go. We're getting there. A couple ladies. Yep. Okay. Six. Six Six is good. Come on, Lynn. Six is good. I have um, five $20 bills. They're consecutive serial numbers. Like I just made them yesterday. And so they're not old stuff. Oh, they're, no, they're good. They're good. They're good. And I've saved this $100. I have, 100, I have another 20 for, for you as well, then. And um, what, here's what I'd like to do. Because often we hear a word and we don't hear anything about practice or action. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to give each of these folks $20. And I would like them to pray over that $20 this week. And, <laughs> sorry, Grace. <laughs> and I'd like to... Um, I'd like to have them pray over it this week and ask God, starting today, to intercede and give them a vision for someone that they would give this $20 to. The Holy Spirit will encourage you and will give you... And don't just say, oh, boy, I'm going to quick run to Dunkin' Donuts a minute and give somebody 20 bucks. No, no. It's something more than that. And God, you will find... And don't expect a blessing. I sometimes, years ago, expected a blessing. I gave a lady a tank of gas one time going to Cedar Lake, and she didn't have, she could only put two gallons of gas in her car because the price was so expensive. That was when we had the big increase a few years ago. And uh, I see a little kid in the back seat, and I felt so bad for her. I said, well, just fill your car up. I said, and I mean, I don't normally tell people, I'm telling you this story, but, and, um, Oh, oh, she said, I can't believe it. I said, because you're not going to make it to Cedar Lake. On it. I think it was 1.2 gallons she got for whatever she had, $3 or something. I said, I don't think you're going to make it to Cedar Lake. She had old Oldsmobile. They burned gas like crazy. And so I said, let's fill it up. And my, um, the only confession I have to make is I think <clears throat> I was filling up my company vehicle, and I think the company actually bought it. So anyway, um, don't tell the tax man. Anyway, and... So she said to me, oh, oh, I appreciate it so much. She said, you know what I have for you? I said, no, what's that? She said, I have a lottery ticket. She said, and I don't know anything about the lottery, but she said, 
uh, there's going to be a million dollars or some, some astronomical figure. And I was just stupid enough in a way. I thought, you know what? I did this fantastic good deed, and I'm going to win that million bucks. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, who would I would never go buy one myself, and I'm just gonna, just gonna win it. You know what I mean? And uh, so, she, I had it all planned. The next, I don't know, it was supposed to. Let's say this was on a Thursday, and it was going to be done on Saturday or something. I had it all spent already, practically. I mean, I had so much for this person, so much for that person. I had the whole thing going through. <coughs> and Frank downstairs taking care of the kids. He knows where to look up things like that. So on Monday morning, I said, "Hey, I, said, I think I won the lottery." He said, "You're kidding." He said, did you see the thing? And I said, no. I said, well, I just think I did. You know, I said, I, I, I said I, I'll tell you a story someday. But I said, I think, so I said, take this thing and look, look up once and let me know where, where I go for the money. And so about five minutes later, he comes back. He says, nope, you didn't win. <laughs> so there are, if you're, planning, if you're planning on getting rewarded in some ways, it doesn't happen. So get back to my subject. I'm saying that you pray diligently and you're in the grocery store. Maybe you, young lady, I don't, do I not know your name? Joanne, yep. And you're going to find someone, if you pray, but you're going to find someone, you say, I know that lady needs this. And you're going to spend it on and then you're going to talk to her for a few minutes, you're going to testify to this church as to what happened, and then I was sort of enjoying email to see the response of some of you. Chuck Pals at EagleExpressLines.com. Easy enough. Just say, I got, I got 20 bucks, here's what I did with it, and here's how I bless And you will find, you know what will happen? Is a culture will develop in you, even if you're unemployed. A culture will develop in you. And you'll say, boy, that was really fun. That was really, and all at once the next time you'll take two bucks on your own and maybe five dollars and maybe as God gives you increase because your heart will be for others and not yourself. So should we try that experiment? Okay, you have number 63. <laughs> And you have 64. And you have 65, Joe. Tom, you have 66. You have 67. Ay, ay, ay. Good thing 20 people didn't stand up. And you have 90, Lynn. <laughs> and so, okay, you may be seated. But I'm, we're interested to hear so... So, John, they're going to start testifying next week, maybe two or three of them next week, two or three the following week, and we're going to see what happens. Application. Hey, thank you for letting me share. And uh, We love you, and your dreams in the Lord will definitely come true.